Again, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Woodside Romeo. I'm Billy Creech. I'm your campus pastor, and it is a joy to have you all here this morning. Uh, first of all, next week, next week we start our fall season. I know you've heard about this a few times, but I just want one more reminder. That means a brand new sermon series will be starting called Blueprints. We're going to dive deep into the Ten Commandments, and we're going to really camp out there from now until the Christmas season. So that will start next week. Also next week starts our fall schedule lineup. So on Wednesday nights, we will have ministry opportunities for kindergarten all the way through seniors in high school for not, not all together. Like they're going to be in different spaces, different rooms. And then Woodside Women. I actually just got an update between services because I found out that I fibbed to the first service and I didn't mean to. But so many people signed up actually this morning. We now, listen to this. We have 52 women signed up to come on Wednesday night to the Bible study. And we have 40, another 40 on Thursday morning. So ladies, I'm telling you that to say, you ought to get signed up. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, you really need to get signed up because people are planning and which tables you're going to be at. And if you're in one of those situations where you're going, sometimes I can come Wednesday, but not always. Sometimes it would be Thursday mornings. That's okay. It's the same study. So you can come, like you can split it up like that, but get ready. Parents, if you have elementary age kids, we call that Midtown, you'll want to get your kids signed up this morning. That's all at the Next Steps desk. You'll want to get signed up for that. The last thing is going to be Thrive Classes. That's our, that's our small group Bible study that's taking place on Sunday mornings. You still have time to get signed up for that as well. Guys, today's going to be a little bit different, just so you know. So if you're joining us for the first time, this won't feel like a a normal Sunday morning because we have some really cool updates. Some of you have been coming to Woodside Romeo for years and years and years. And some of you, this might be your very first Sunday, right? You thought, well, it's kind of rainy, can't go to the lake yet. I'll wait and go here in just a little bit, but I'm looking for something going into the back to school season, some coming in for the first time. Whether you've been coming here a long time or a short time, everyone should get a picture this morning of where we've been, what the Lord has been up to, and where we're trusting Him as we're moving into the future, which reminds me of a story. It's a story you probably heard, although this is going to be the Okie-fied version of the story, right? It's going to have a little southern twist on it, probably. But it goes like this. There's a, a husband and a wife, and they're newlyweds. And as they're in the kitchen, the wife takes out the pot roast, and she whacks off one end and whacks off the other end and throws it away. And she starts to put the, the rub and stuff on the meat to throw it in. And he, the husband looks at her, and he says, what are you doing? Evidence that he's a newlywed, because he doesn't know better yet. You know, he's liable to get meat thrown at him and told, like, you do it yourself then. So he just doesn't know better at this point. So he says, what are you doing? She says, well, I'm cooking a roast. What are you doing? You know, and he goes, that's not how you do it. And she says, that is how you do it. And he says, that's not how you do it. She goes, it certainly is. My mama taught me. You know, well, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. So he pulls out his phone, calls up his mother-in-law, and he goes, Hi, mom. Because when you're close to your mother-in-law in that first year, that's what you do. You know, you put on the charm, you put on the face, you put on the voice, and you say, you call her mom, too. She loves that. So he goes, unless she doesn't love that, and then don't do it. But he says, <laughs> he says, hi, mom. And so then he has to make small talk. Now, when you're a newlywed and you're making small talk, you better cover, no, we're not pregnant yet. Like, make sure that that's out of the way. I'm not calling for money. She wants to know that too. Like, so you go through the checklist and finally he goes, yeah, I just want to know, like your daughter is cutting the ends off of the meat 
And why is she doing that? And she goes, well, I mean, I'd, I'd do it because Nana taught me how to cook. And, and that's how Nana always did it. And he's like, okay, well, I'll call Nana. So he picks up the phone. He dials again. And he goes, hi, Nana. Because when you call Nana, you don't do, hi. You don't do that. It doesn't work. Like, none of this, hi, Nana, putting on the charm. You'd be sweet, right? you put on your sweet voice. And she'd be dripping with honey when you'd call Nana. And so he calls Nana, hi, Nana. And so they talk, yes, ma'am, we're going to church. Yes, ma'am, we are. And, oh, the puppy's getting big. He, no, we're not having babies yet. And you go through the same checklist again, right? And then finally he goes, Nana, why, why does your daughter cut the ends off the meat? Because now my wife, she cuts the ends off the meat, and they say they learned it from you. And Nana goes, oh, well, goodness gracious, honey, I don't know why they're cutting the ends off the meat. I just, I just, I can't fathom why they do I do it because my pan's too small. You know, that's why I cut the ends off my meat. And so... I think that's what happens, though. Sometimes we start to do things. We're not even sure why we're doing those things, yet we get into this pattern that we're just doing it. We're just going through the motion. But my hope today, even though today's going to be a little bit different, my hope today is that you are crystal clear on why we're doing what we're doing and what the plan is. Does that make sense? I want you to be crystal clear on what we're doing, why we're doing it, what we're doing. We want you to understand every bit of it, which brings us to our big idea today. Our big idea is that our mission This is the mission of Woodside Bible Church. Our mission is to help people belong to Christ, grow in Christ, and reach the world for Christ. Let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 is where we're going to be. At this stage in Scripture, Jesus Christ has already lived the perfect and sinless life. He's already lived a perfect and sinless life. He was crucified by being nailed to a cross. He took the sin and the shame of the entire world on his shoulders. At this point, he had already been placed in the tomb where he stayed for three days. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He rose from the grave. This is in between that point, his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. There's a 40-day period. This is right at the end of the 40-day period. We know it's at the end because Matthew chapter 28 is the next thing you see when you turn the page is Mark, right? So there is no more Matthew. This is the last thing that happens. This is Jesus giving his final words to the disciples. And he says this, starting in verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, which is where we pause. When you see therefore, Stop and go read that previous sentence again. Why is it therefore? And essentially what this says is based on the truth that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Based on that truth, we are supposed to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. See, for us to carry out the mission here at our campus at Woodside Romeo, that's the mission we've been given. For us to carry on that mission, the first thing that we have to do is we have to be a place that people can call home. Amen. Like that, we have to be a place that people can call home. And I want you to know that's exactly what's been going on for years, for years and years. Now, back in the day before me, there was another pastor. Back before him, there was another pastor. His name was Bob Bryant. When Bob Bryant came on the scene, um, there was some differences in the attendance. In fact, on a Sunday evening, it got as low as 20 people. 
on a Sunday night. The church was known as the First Baptist Church of Romeo back then. We were not Woodside Bible Church. We were the First Baptist Church of Romeo. In fact, many of you familiar with the village, you know that right downtown where Main Street is, there's a karate studio that meets in a thing that looks like it. Well, it is a church, right? That was First Baptist Church of Romeo. That was us until we moved here. And when we were here, that's when Bob came. Um, Bob started to serve. There, it got down to as low as 100 people on a Sunday morning. As low as 100. Can you imagine that? Just what's going on? At, can you, anyway, so it, through the faithfulness of leaders, through the faithfulness of a church body saying we're chasing after the mission that God has given us, the attendance started to turn around. There was a name change in that time from First Baptist Church of Romeo to Stone Ridge. Check out this sign. Isn't that incredible? It's kind of pretty, isn't it? That blue and that orange, which then they did with the church. They colored the church blue and orange. Isn't that fantastic? Do we have the other photo? Except for when it was pink. Isn't this great? Like for October, it's Cancer Awareness Month. And so there was this idea, hey, let's just paint the church pink. The neighbors will love it. Like they're going to, I'm sure it's going to help property value. Pepto-Bismol pink. They're, they're going to love this. Anyway, so attendance started to turn around and really went from that average of around 100 on a Sunday all the way up to 278 per Sunday. And that's when in 2012, Bob led through a merger with Woodside Bible Church, and this became Woodside Romeo. This is actually Merger Sunday. Look at this next picture. Daddy looked like a baby there. <laughs> Steve looks so young in that picture. And then you have the, the next one, just the congregation. And just what an encouraging time for this congregation as it really merged with Woodside Bible Church to become Woodside Romeo. I, I want to show you guys what happened because attendance just continued through faithfulness to the mission to help people belong, grow, and reach. Here's what happened. Attendance went from 278 to then that first year increasing to 360. In 2013 and 14, that number increased to 393. In 2014 the, and 15, the number increased to 495. In 2015 and 16, the number increased to 559. Let me slow down just for a moment. Probably as you're watching and as you're looking at the dates, you're probably able to say, that's when we started to come. That's when we started to call this place family. That's when we started to call this place home. Or you're looking around, you got your friends around you. That, that's, when, that's when they joined us right there. Let's continue. 2016, 17, 636. Last year, last year our average was 699. And then so far this year, that's June until now, which is summertime. So far this summer, our average has been 747 people per week. That's been the average. Guys, here's what's incredible about that. We start like in June, we haven't hit the high attendance. We are at the lowest attendance point of the year for what's normal. Normal is back to school time all the way to Christmas, we start to increase in number. And then Christmas to Easter, we just kind of keep going a little bit. Normally summer we dip, but we just continue to add. We continue to see more people come in and call this place family. Now, this is so important to me. Whether we have 2,000 people coming, or whether we have 800 people coming, or 20, every single person is precious to the Lord. Every single person has a story. 
The Lord knows your name. You are intimately known by the Lord, and we can never forget that. Now, Jesus didn't give us the great recommendation, did he? He gave us the great commission. He said, I want you to go. I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize. I want you to teach. This is what you're supposed to be doing as a church. And he didn't say until the church house gets filled up and then go have a nice cold LaCroix and call it good. You know, he didn't, he didn't say that, right? We have a mission we're supposed to be part of. We're supposed to continue our lives driving toward that mission. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but when Kelly packs this place out with chairs, and I mean like goes as close to this wall as you can get, closes in the aisle, gets you all the way up here by the stage, like to where if I get too excited, you know, right? Gets way too, we go all the way back to the sound booth to where if they're whispering each other cues, like you know what they're saying back there. Like as when we pack this place out, we can get 284 chairs. 284 chairs. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but 747 people per weekend, when we can get 284 chairs in here at a time, that means we're at an 89% capacity rate right now. That's amazing, which does say to us, we've got to do something. If we are going to continue on the mission that God has given us, if we're going to help people become part of a family, to belong, to grow, to reach, we have to address the building issue. The building is not the vision. Right? The, the mission that he's given us, that's what we're chasing. The building is merely a tool. And so there's been a team of people hard at work over the past few years to get us to this point of being ready to have this discussion. And I'm really pumped because today we have a unique opportunity. I could tell you all about some meetings that I heard about, and here's what's happening over there, and here's what's happening over here. But we have a guest with us today. We have the Executive Director of Operations for Woodside Bible Church. Please help me in welcoming Andy McKeever to the stage this morning. All right. So, Andy, we um, just told everybody your big title. Executive Director of Operations at Woodside Don't be overly impressed. Bible Church. Um, but just for a moment, can you just let everyone know what that means and kind of your area of influence and how you serve at Woodside? Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, let me say it's a pleasure to be with you all this morning. Um, I don't often get out of my, my cage and get to travel around and see our campuses, but when I do, it's it's a blessing to do so, and uh, my better half will be showing up here for the 11:30 service along with my kids. So if you're around, you'll get to see my wife, and you'll truly understand why I'm able to do the things I'm doing. She's the one who. I'm impressed me. that you knew the time because, like, for the first what two months, I had no idea what time church was. I just knew I get here at 6:30 and I'm here until we're done. We'll we'll put that on our lead pastor test next time. Yep, there so, you go. Um, but uh, so what I get to do is I'm part of a, a three-person team. Um, so. There is the executive pastor of campusing, and that's Steve Zarelli. A few of you might know him. Um, then we have the executive pastor of ministries, and that's Andy Belegian. He oversees that. And I'm executive director of operations. And so underneath me directly sits a couple different things. Uh, finance and facility sits right underneath me. Marketing, outreach, HR, IT, our lodge, and our vision foundation. And so... My primary responsibility is really looking at, if you think about all the nuts and bolts that makes Woodside work across all of our campuses, um, providing strategy, helping keep that cadence for what we need to do, and hopefully helping keep us on track to some of the objectives we have. Love that. So Andy, we have 14 campuses, 14 campus pastors. I know all these guys. 
And they are fired up about what's going on at their, all of them, right? They're fired up about what's going on on their campuses. So you're the guy who has to figure out the strategy and the finance and how it all works together. So I guess as we're starting to talk about a building project, my big question would be, why Romeo and why now? Yeah, I ask myself that question a lot. No, but uh, <laughs> needless to say, there, there's a lot going on at Woodside right now. I mean, God has blessed us as a church um, as a whole. Uh, it's incredible to see what's happening. But usually in, in times of transition, when your campus is going through a uh, lead pastor transition, when as a whole church community, we're going through a senior pastor transition, a lot of times, um, a lot of churches I know wouldn't necessarily say, hey, that's a good time to really think about growing and expanding. But if you've heard anything from, from Pastor Doug, you've heard that uh, he never wants to take his foot off that accelerator. He believes that God has a vision for this place, and he's passionate about that. And for us, that bleeds down into me. And we focus heavily when we think about vision in three key areas. And you probably heard them before, or maybe not. This might be your first time, but campusing is one of those, obviously, of which Romeo is a key part of that, as well as your 13 brother and sister campuses. Um, leadership development is a big thing we believe in. We believe in birthing the next generation of leaders. We believe in pouring into our pastors. We take a look at our young leaders and we say, if they have a chance for, to grow up in what God's calling them to do, we want to be there to champion that and partner with them. And then we look at outreach. Um, outreach is a big part of what we do, whether that's locally, you know, on the ground, what you do here in your own community or what we might through a, do through a Dream Center or what we do globally. And you hear about our missions outreach plans in Thailand and India and Liberia and all these different places. But within that needs to say, campusing is a big part of what I look at. Um, that's been a vision that Pastor Doug has had since he's been a part of our community um, this entire time of thinking. He always, call, he always says, what does it look like to keep lighthouses open? Which I always kind of love that image, right? He always looks at the local church community and says, what does it look like to keep those lighthouses open? And so... so that's really how most of the campusing works, mm -hmm. is it tends to be campuses contacting Woodside saying... We need help. Yeah. We, we get a lot of different churches. I mean, we have, we have a laundry list of churches that call us all the time, whether it's just from resources or, hey, we could use help. Um, we're, we're known in the uh, community, both locally and around the country, as being one of those churches. So within the 14 of them, I have to have the job of really looking at, okay, how do I prioritize? Because um, here's what's one cool thing. You know what? Woodside has some of the awesomest pastors in the country. Honestly, it's so cool when I get to look around and see this, that we have guys like Billy that are here every Sunday preaching with us. But with guys like Billy, they all have ideas and plans and things they want to do, and it comes down to a priority. How do I take a look at those? So we build what's called a campus trajectory plan. And really, um, that's going to sound a little bit businessy, but I am from a little bit of a businessy background. And so what that means is we sit with each one of our campuses, and we really plot out what does their growth trajectory look like? What does that mean for them from we go out as far as five years, which is a little bit of a long range, down to three years, down to one. Look at everything from staffing to facilities to finances to the market and everything in between to determine where these campuses at in their growth place and what are they doing. And because of that, um, that's why we've determined through our research or the work we've done that now's the time for Romeo. Beautiful. All right, Andy, so I know we have some drawings in the lobby. We've had them for a few months now. That means we brought an architect into this conversation. When you went to the architect, there had to have been um, kind of a priority list, right? A vision for this is what we're trying to do, which is not a monument to us, right? What was really the goal and the hope when you started that conversation with the architect? 
Yeah, that's a good question. So you heard Billy talk about capacity, obviously, right? You said you're about at 80-some percent capacity, um, jamming up. People are, are feeling your heat coming off the front of the stage here. So uh, that was something we started looking at. We started looking at, and that's one of those factors we look at. When we hit a certain threshold of capacity, we really start to evaluate. So one thing we started to think about was capacity. A couple other things that came into our mind as well, and then I'll get into specifics. Um, one of the values you hear at Woodside is that we're family. And we knew that was a value here with the Romeo campus. And that came into our thought as well, saying, okay, how do we, how do we increase the size of potentially what we're doing, as well as honor that value that we're family and keep that feeling of community together here, as well as provide a place where you talked about, where people can belong to Christ, grow in Christ, reach the world for Christ. So a lot of things come into that factoring. And with us, you should know, we, we look at everything with should we build or should we actually potentially cast a vision for moving in a different direction. And it was something we looked at with Romeo, but it became very clear through all the research we were doing um, that God has his hand on this community, has his hand on this church. Um, the growth in this county is significant, and it's going to continue. It's one of the few counties in Michigan that's actually growing. And so we knew that this was a place that we felt God would had his hand on and we would make that commitment to. And so with that, we really started to look at capacity and what would that look like from a worship space a spot where we knew we could provide for more people to come in here and not necessarily feel you as closely as they do um, to what would happen with kids knowing that was going to be a priority um, I hear there's a few women that are pregnant in this church and growing all the time so uh, best way to grow a church <laughs> absolutely it's a good game plan <laughs> I'll take it but uh we looked at kids, then we looked at obviously parking. Um, when people drive by and see, hey, there isn't a spot for me, sometimes they can think, you know, there just isn't room for me. Um, when they walk in here and think, yeah, look, it's all full. It's awesome to see it full, but sometimes that person who might want to come in and experience what God has for them just might think, yeah, there probably just isn't room for me. So we started going through those ideas of thinking, what would that look like? And really, what you talked about too, just a place that people could call home. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes as a church, when we hear there's a building project, we expect to see dump trucks starting to line up and pull into the parking lot. And yet there's a lot of work that has to happen before that. And there has been a lot of work happening. And yet I, I don't know that we've had lots of talks about this. So can you just talk to us as a church about what, what have we already been doing? What steps have already happened to get us to this point? Yeah, absolutely. So there is, there is a game plan we always put in place for each one of our, our campuses when we're looking at growth plans, what that might mean, and hopefully being involved in a very intentional um, conversation with our church communities as well as our pastors. And so this probably started, wow, well over a year ago. It seems like we've been doing this. And uh, Steve Zarelli is a fairly intentional young man, and when he has something he wants to get done, he will get on your radar screen. So... Uh, Steve and I started talking, and I was invited up here to the campus to see the campus, take a look at it. He just started talking about, guys, we're hitting these thresholds. We need to start thinking about what this looked like. So that really pushed the button for me to initiate that trajectory planning with Steve and the leaders here. And along the way, that brought into a lot of conversations. Like, we knew that Steve was potentially looking at a transition. What would that mean for a leader? All these different factors started to come into play for us. But Praise the Lord, we found another leader, we completed that trajectory plan, and that was part of a key part of the process, because once completed, um, it allows our teams to start stacking hands with a move-forward plan. So I usually get to make some recommendations on what I think is smart move for us, and in this case, I believed it was, from everything we're seeing, hey, let's move forward. That then allows me to go to our finance teams. Um, so our finance teams meets every month, um, a great group of people who meet and take a look at the, the finance of Woodside, they figure out how to steward it best, 
And I bring those plans to them, and they looked at it and they said, wow, we think this is a really good plan, we like it, a lot of research has been done. That then triggers up to our elder board. And our elder board, they have final authority, final say on everything that happens. We don't move forward without that. That keeps us accountable to what we're doing here. They looked at it and said, yeah, we believe God does his hand on this as well. We believe in what he's doing at Romeo. Um, let's move this forward. That takes it to another step, which that means it unlocks what's called our real property committee. So we have a committee of uh, men, women who meet, and we're just blessed. They're some of the top industry leaders as far as um, what deals with building, um, property, all these different things. Andy Melia is in charge of that, and this allows me to turn this over to Andy. And what Andy has done is he's taken a look at all of that planning that's coming through, the building plans, the initial numbers, everything. Him and his team have it now, and that moves it to just the final vetting stage where they're starting to look at you know, the trades, what's this going to mean timing-wise, all those type of things, and that's where it is today. All right, so it's been through lead team. It's been through a finance team. It's been through real properties team. It's been through the elders. And we've even had meetings with the city. Like, we've gone through a whole lot of steps to get to this point, which brings us to the plan. This is the fun part. So, Andy, what are we knocking down and clearing out of here? Yeah, so we're going to be leveling all this property. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, we're not really. We're no, not knocking anything no, down. we're not knocking anything down. We're looking at doing thoughtful expansion Yeah, um, is really what you're thinking about here. And you'll talk a lot more about what that looks like. I love hearing your heart around this. But a um, big part of it, needless to say, is going to be the sanctuary. Um, we want to be able to move from today where we can seat um, 270, 84-ish, exactly. Whatever, right on, there. right in that number, um, to hopefully being more around 550, um, which allow us um, a pretty significant run rate for growth. Um, this campus on average grows anywhere from 16 to 20 percent annually. Um, usually when you open up a more space, it actually, you start, believe it or not, hit more like a 20 percent marker. That's just from church statistics. So we want to have a spot where we can hopefully comfortably um, start to plan on growth both for now and future. Yeah. So imagine this, the front door. You guys know where the front door is. The front door of the church remains the front door. Nothing changes right there. And you walk into the lobby, the lobby's still the lobby. This will still be here, but this will be an extended part of the lobby. So we'll open up with some larger doorways, right? That's the back wall now. Uh, it'll be some larger doorways that opens all of this up just to be an extended lobby space with some tables and chairs and people just to come in and, and have community together. Uh, right over here, uh, that's where our coffee stand's gonna be. So it'll give you a little bit more room to get in and, and get the coffee and get all that done. We'll have a bookstore area. How cool would it be if when we're gonna have a 10 Commandments series, if you knew that there were books that I recommend, three or four books that I've been studying to prepare for that series, if you had access to the exact same books for your study, well, we wanna make sure that you have that of it. Where we're sitting, this will be restrooms, right? And so there'll be uh, men's rooms and, and ladies' rooms. Uh, right up here, there'll be changing rooms for baptisms, which will just be fantastic to not have to try to, I don't know, privately get in. and Like you'll have your own little changing room, which will be great. And then right through this wall, right here, guys, there will be some large, because if this is going to be a lobby, Lobbies only work if you enter into something else. That something else is going to be the worship center, which is going to be right through this wall. Right through this wall, we'll have some large openings that will then take you into this room. Here's some pictures of it. When we go into the pictures of the room, one thing that I want you to notice will be the brown seats at the back. Do you see those brown seats? 
that stadium seating, and, and when I say stadium seating, I don't mean like going way up the wall. I mean just like a wee little bit of stadium seating. But the whole intent is this. How do we keep the room as small as possible to still make people feel like they're as close to everyone else as we can. Instead of getting too spread out, just keep us all together as a church family. Uh, so not one inch of wasted space that I can find, just a highly functional room that almost lets us double in size. Now you can't address the worship space though without addressing the kids' ministry, can you? Because we don't believe kids are the future of the church. We believe they're part of the church right now. So picture this, a basement. You know what our basement feels like now. Many of you who are parents, you've been down there, and it's you know, kind of closed in a little bit. And so we very intentionally said, what if we dig down an extra foot? And what if we raise the ceiling an extra foot? To a kid, that's going to seem fantastic just to give them a nice open worship space, which means for us, we'll have us one step up, right? Maybe two steps, but they'll go up one foot to go into the other room to give more room and more space downstairs for the kids. Also downstairs is going to be this cafe area. Now you just heard when I talked about Woodside Women, 52 women meeting for a Bible study on a Wednesday night, another 40 on Thursday morning. That's a lot of women coming together every single week studying the Bible. What this cafe is intended for, do you see the big tall windows? If you ever hang around a mom during the middle of winter, they're going to come at you with eyes bulging just a little bit. And they're looking for other moms. And they're looking for where is the McDonald's with the play toys so our kids have someplace to move and we can talk just for a second. I've been inside for way too long, right? They've got that face that starts to happen. And so the goal here is just to be able to be a blessing for people to come in from the community. So to open this up a few days a week, you've got the big tall windows where people can interact together. You've got that place where they can study God's Word together. They can pray together. They can encourage together. They can be family together. What you don't see is just to the left side of the picture, there's more glass wall. That glass wall gives access to a big toy for kids. But let me be clear. It's not McDonald's. McDonald's big toy is built for elementary kids, right? Elementary kids in the middle of winter, they're at school, or they ought to be at school. So this is a big toy, but for preschool kids, it's like a wee big toy, right? Because we're going to be age appropriate. They don't need to get stuck up in the slide, and then someone's going to call, call the pastor and tell me, I got to climb up in the slide <laughs> to get the kid out. Like, that's not a, that's not a good plan. And say so you have the cafe area here for use throughout the week. For ministry. The outside here that you're looking at, that's actually changed, Andy, right? Because the city has asked that the brick on this not be whatever color that is, but the, the brick actually matched the brick on the front. So it'll have a red brick exterior, so everything is just kind of tied together and, and match. Now, Andy, we did, um, we did skip a couple of things. One, we skipped the timeline. So that's something that everyone always has theories and ideas of when it might happen, but there's still some work that needs to take place before it's go time to start building. Can you just talk us through the timeline from now till when we're projected timeline? So that, I mean, we're recording, so we're all going to come back and say, but Andy said it was going to be done by. Yes. Yeah, so what's the timeline? And Andy did not say this. So, <laughs> no, here is the here's projected timeline. I'm pretty comfortable with this, knowing where our teams are at and the, where, the, where the work has gone into this. So, first of all, um, process has been made to make a commitment to this. So you know that we started this 
back at Christmas of uh, this last Christmas and really put this out in front of our church community, right? We put it heavily in front of the Romeo community and said, we believe God's in this. Uh, we want to take a test on this and see, do people respond? And people graciously responded in some pretty significant ways um, with resources, finances, which for us is another indicator saying, okay, we think that there is some momentum behind this that we can really begin to work with, which means that that brings us to a spot of starting to trigger all the other things I talk about. So now as Real Property is looking at this, um, we're looking at now vetting out the final processes, who's going to be having the, the trades, all those different things. And because of where we're at, um, putting a shovel in the ground like here in the fall isn't smart because as you move into the winter, it gets more expensive with winter construction. So what we'll actually be doing strategically is vetting out a lot of this in December. That'll give us some better costs. That'll help us with costs of the project as well. But then we're looking at shovel in the ground um, early spring, uh, March, April, with a targeted completion date right around December. Did you hear that? December 2019 finished project. How incredible is that? What, one last thing that we need to make sure we cover. If you're going to do something of this matter, I, I know, Andy, if I want to do my kitchen floor, I got to save me some money. Like, and I got a wee little kitchen. I don't have a big kitchen. I got a wee, and we're talking about doubling the scope of ministry space here at this campus. So this is significant. Can you just talk to us about the financial realities of what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's something I have the pleasure of looking at um, every day and praying over and seeing what God is providing for us. And first of all, uh, I'm incredibly grateful for the faithfulness of the Woodside uh, family and the community here. Um, you all have been incredibly great with what you've done as far as providing for the kingdom, um, both for your own community and others. And that's really a philosophy that we embrace here. A lot of times people don't get to, to hear this, but we have a couple things that we like to adhere to. One of them is, for the most part, we like to do everything at Woodside debt-free. And a lot of times uh, people don't know that about us, but predominantly we are a debt-free church. Um, we have very little on our books that we would consider debt, if at all, which is exciting because it allows us to respond to these kingdom opportunities when God taps us on the shoulder, when we hear that whisper, when we say, okay, what do you have for us, God? Um, it, we're not in a position where it's challenging to do things financially. And you've all played a part of that. But so have all of our other campuses. So our philosophy is we're one church with many locations. And each one of our brother and sister churches all play a role in participating in vision projects like this. We have something that's called our Campus Accelerator Fund. And our Campus Accelerator Fund is something that's built into all of our church budgets. It's a target that all of our campuses have where they contribute financially every single year. The benefit of that is it allows us to take those pooled funds and leverage them in different locations when we need to, which is really exciting, which means over the past year, um, you may not realize this over the past years, but like Romeo, you all played a significant role in impacting our Royal Oak campus. So if you remember like a couple years ago, we needed to move on Royal Oak. Well, we did that project entirely debt-free. Why? Because of the faithfulness of so many of our other campuses participating. And the neat thing is, now that's Romeo's turn, and that's come around, and our brothers and sister campuses, they're excited for it. In fact, our staff was just up here like a couple of weeks ago, yeah. meeting together, praying for this campus, um, anticipating what's going to come, and going back and challenging their campuses for what lies ahead. But it is a significant project. Um, we're looking at probably in the range of somewhere to four to five million, but because of the planning, um, because of the community that's come around this, um, we're working hard to hopefully do that entirely debt-free. That's amazing to me. Four to five million dollars <laughs> debt-free. 
You know, Andy, I think one of the things that I appreciate, I've been part of churches before where you do uh, major projects like this. So you do the loan from the bank, and then you pay back the bank, and then there's nothing left. Uh, but the beauty of the Campus Accelerator Fund, it allows us to take on a major project that on our own we really would not be able to tackle. And not only can we tackle this, um, God willing, debt-free, but then also be able to use the money that we're paying in to few to fuel the mission of Woodside Bible Church as we continue forward. Yeah, absolutely. So it's hopefully a perpetual process that we've built in so that we continue to accelerate kingdom work both locally and, and globally. And as you heard, um, September 13th, um, I believe that's the right date, there's going to be a, a vision night that's here. That's right. And that's going to be a great chance for the community to come around. Pastor Doug will be here. He's going to share from his heart. He's really, it's a, it's a praise and prayer night. It's not a fundraiser or anything like that. It's us celebrating what God has done. Um, but specifically, I think he'll be excited to share very uniquely on what's happened at the Romeo campus. So you want to mark that down Thursday, September the 13th. Pastor Doug will be here. The Chesterfield campus is coming over. The Algonac campus is coming over. Um, but it's home for us, right? We're just, we're just going to come up here um, with, with the rest of the family, and it's going to be a great time. Andy, thank you for being here. You know what I love is as we were going through that chart earlier, I think it's easy for people to jump in and say, that's, that's where we became part of this family. That's where we started to call this home. One of the things that I love, church, is that, uh, again, if you go back to this mindset that every single one of these numbers we're talking about is a, is a person. It represents you. It represents your family. It represents your kids. It, every person has a story, and they're precious to the Lord. Last week, we had a fun time with the outdoor service I didn't know what to expect going into it, but absolutely loved it. Having the whole church family under one roof is just, it's just a good, good time. But here's what I loved even more. I loved even more the story that I received on Thursday, and I want to share this with you. This came to me Thursday night. It says, I, I wanted to share something with you guys, because it was sent to Amy and I both. I wanted to share something with you guys. My three daughters all listened to your message at Simpson Park last week, and they hadn't really said much about it which I don't think was the punchline. I think you have to keep going. It says, but today, today I was brushing my five-year-old's hair, and that's Avery. And Avery put her hand over her heart, and she said, she said, this is my heart, Mom. I know it because I can feel God knocking on it. And she said, I, I asked her what it felt like and if she wanted to ask God to live in her heart. And then we talked about what that means. She said, yes. And she prayed to invite Jesus into her heart. And then she skips down a little bit. And she says, we are so thrilled that our little one opened the door when she felt God knocking on it. Isn't that what this is about? This is about us saying there's always going to be room enough for one more at God's table. There's always going to be room enough for one more person to come in and be part of the family. Because we're on a mission to make disciples, to baptize, to teach them. And what I love is we're part of something that so many have been building for years. There's faithfulness of so many people who have come before us. I do want to share one more story with you. This is a story from George and Elaine Fisher.
First Baptist Church of Romeo was founded in 1840 when a group of members got together in Armada Township and formed a church. Then in 1846, they founded the church and built a building down on uh, Main Street in Romeo, Michigan. And then in the 1970s, they bought the land out in uh, west of Romeo. At that time, they had 12 acres, and that's where they built the existing facility they have right now. We started attending Romeo in 1986. Our children uh, grew up in that church. The youth group was good. The music was great. Our church did well for quite a few years. Then as the culture changed, we weren't making the appropriate changes. We didn't even know how to do that at the time. The smallest number we ever had was on a Sunday night, we had 20. But what we did is we used that time to pray. Because we knew that we couldn't keep up that way. It wouldn't, the church couldn't survive. Uh, about 12 years ago, we had a search committee that uh, was looking for a new pastor for us. And that's when we uh, hired Bob Bryant. He was a pastor there for a couple of years and um, started changing things up in a good way. Things that needed to be changed to make us more contemporary, more current. So after Bob had been with us for a few years, he brought up the idea of changing our name. And we thought, I don't like that because I've been Baptist all my life, you know. But we talked about it a lot and we prayerfully considered it and we decided that we'll give a vote to the people if they wanted to do that. And that's when we came up uh, with the name of uh, Stone Ridge Church. What it did is it opened up the doors to a lot of people who would otherwise not have ever stepped into the doors of a Baptist church. Then about eight years into Bob's ministry, we decided to talk to Woodside Bible Church about perhaps joining with them. After we became a part of Woodside, uh, Pastor Steve Zarelli was our pastor. Pastor Steve really lived uh, what he preached. And uh, we now have uh, Billy Creech as our pastor, and uh, we didn't think we would love him as much as we did Steve, but it took about 10 minutes to fall in love with Billy. The most recent exciting thing that God is doing in our church is making it possible for us to expand, um, which is needed very much. There have been Sundays when there's not enough parking places in the same way with the seating inside. There's just not room for the number of people that are coming in. The new sanctuary is not about the numbers. It's about the souls that come in every Sunday and hear the gospel message. And many souls and hearts will be changed because of that. And that's what it's all about. Growth not in numbers, but in spiritual integrity. to call home. It's pretty incredible to be able to be part of this journey with you. And um, I'm, I'm humbled. I'm humbled that we get to be part of what the Lord is doing right here in Romeo. It's incredible, isn't it? I sat down at, for lunch with a, a couple people from the Troy campus this week, and as we sat down, they said, Billy, why is the campus growing so fast? Talk to us about all the strategy that's going into it. Talk to us about what you're doing because there's something, that, I mean, you're growing through the summer. That doesn't make sense. Talk to us about what you're doing. And I just kind of smiled and I said, no, it's actually pretty simple. We're not overcomplicating things. We're just being family together. Like people really come in. It's just healthy. Like the leadership is healthy and people want to serve and they want to be part. People are coming to know the Lord and they're being baptized and they're studying the Bible and I, I guess we're just living and trying to be the church that the Lord called us to be. 
Thank you for letting me do that with you. I am so pumped at what the Lord is doing and not, not because of buildings. We, we need that. We do. We need it because of the space. Um, we're, we're working on an overflow room right now for the fall, specifically for this service. Guys, look around. It's a holiday weekend, y'all. Look, I mean, this isn't Christmas. This is just a, a holiday weekend when no one's supposed to show up. And yet here we are because where else, where else would we rather be? Right? This is it. We wouldn't want to miss the time with the family. And um, so continue to be in prayer for wisdom and discernment. And let's just continue to run the race that the Lord's put in front of us, shall we? I mean, let's continue to run this race with perseverance, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfect of our faith, as we continue to lean and press our hearts in toward His. Can you stand as we pray together this morning? Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to worship and to praise you today. We thank you that we get to be part of what you're doing in and through this body. Lord, it's exciting to hear about all the people who continue to come and to look to our left and our right and see people who at one time we had to shake their hand for the first time and all of a sudden they kind of become friends and then they move from friends to family. Only you can do that, Lord. And I know there's a lot of people out there who don't have a home yet. They haven't found that place they can call home. I just pray that you continue to help us to see our community the way that you do. Let us continue to be broken for those who, who don't have that place they can call home. Let us continue to be part of that process of making disciples, baptizing, and teaching. Lord, we truly do want a heart like yours. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.